0: Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 303, and today I'm excited to share with you my next guest. Her name is Sophie Howard, and she is going to explain to us how she built and sold her Amazon business for seven figures. And I'm really excited for you to hear this because I think whenever we unpack someone's story... We always get to learn a little bit of a different approach, a little bit of a different strategy maybe, and maybe even an end game in mind. You may be thinking about building a business, not to even exit it right now, maybe you're just thinking to yourself, I just want to build a business, I want to start earning $100 per day or whatever it is, but it's really good, I think, for all of us to listen to other people's journeys, uh, because you can learn so much through it, I mean, I just did an episode with Chris Schaefer, he interviewed me on my own show in episode 300, if you haven't heard that, you might want to check that out, because it goes to show you that as you're going through different parts of your journey, as you're moving through, you're learning, and you're evolving, and you're pivoting, And it's just a great way for you to see that not everyone is going to have the exact same experience. And I think listening to Sophie's story totally made me aware of that I was like oh wow that's that's interesting on how she kind of stumbled upon this business and this opportunity and what her background was so really excited for you to hear that and uh, hopefully you can pull away some uh some good you know good information some golden nuggets and uh, and make you maybe think a little bit differently in the situation that you're in right now now before we do jump into that interview I want to remind you a couple things number one we're getting ready to do our first workshop of 2017 the first one that we're going to be doing is the five phases for launching your product on Amazon, so if you want to attend that, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop, that one will be on January 12th, and then from there, we'll be doing them periodically throughout the upcoming months as well, so if you just want to register there, whether this is after that date or not, Definitely head over to TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash workshop, and you can see the current one that we're doing. We have another one that we do on product research alone, and we have a few other ones that we're going to be doing in the future as well, so definitely go over to TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash workshop, register for an upcoming workshop, would love to see you there, hang out with you, answer any questions that you have, so definitely go do that, and the last thing I want to remind you before we head into today's interview I did with Sophie is the show notes, if you want to download or read the transcripts, you can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 303, and you'll find all of those over there, like I said, the show notes, the transcripts, any links that we have will be available there, at that link, theamazingseller.com forward slash 303. All right, guys, so what do you say? Let's, uh, Let's jump into it. Let's go ahead and listen to this awesome, amazing interview that I did with Sophie Howard. Enjoy. Well, hey, Sophie, thank you so much for coming on the show. How you doing?
1: I'm great. Thanks, Scott. Nice to, nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, it's, this is going to be exciting. And, uh, I mean, you've got a a really interesting story, uh, interesting, exciting. I mean, it's really, really exciting. Um, and you had, um, you had actually reached out and and said that you had a, uh, an Amazon business that you had had sold, and and you kind of know a thing or two about it, and you sold for uh, seven figures, which is kind of incredible. So yeah, I wanted to have you on and kind of pick your brain a little bit and kind of see exactly how that all uh, you know came about and uh, and what you've learned through that process, and then maybe uh, we can kind of uh, help people out through uh, through their journey. How's that sound?
1: That sounds awesome.
0: Yeah. No. So let's let's kind of go back a little bit. Why don't you give people a little bit about Sophie and kind of like how this whole thing got started and then kind of lead us through uh, where you are today.
1: Sure. So uh, I live in New Zealand, which is very close to the Antarctic and the bottom of the South Pacific. So a, a really long way away from any big populations of potential customers. So sure. to grow a business here, you really need to be online and I had a toddler and had just had a baby and was pretty keen not to go back to my day job. Mm -hmm. I was really motivated to make an online business that I could run from home work. But I never wanted kind of a little hobby business from day one. It had to replace, more than replace, a pretty good salary. So I'd worked for nine years in tech transfer. So working with the inventors at the university here in the capital city And taking their inventions, getting the patents, finding licensing partners and starting startup companies. But it was never quite as much fun because it wasn't my invention or product. And there was always, you know, a venture capitalist being very serious about their money. It wasn't my money or risk. And so I'd had this really nice exposure to entrepreneurship, um, but I hadn't done my own thing. So I thought that we get really, really good maternity leave um, here in New Zealand. So I had two years off and thought if I don't start something now, I never will and was super motivated and did have a bit of a head start because I'd been involved in these other B2B high-tech startups Mm. and my employers had been really good to me they'd put me through an MBA and I also got sent on a residential course at MIT the entrepreneurship program there so I had a pretty good start but self-taught when it came to like sort of the consumer type sales sure and had no technology type background myself as an e-commerce so that's all something I started only two and a bit years ago. So I did ASM three and was pretty lucky with that first product. And it probably was a bit of luck, but also I did the course and just could see that that model of buying cheap from China was going to have a limited shelf life. Everybody was going to end up with the same products. It was going to be a price war. I didn't like the idea of going into these competitive top, you know, few hundred, you know, the Everyone laughs now about yeah, the top yeah. BSR and fits in the palm of your hand. Well, I was like down in the, you know, I think it was like ranked 8,000. There were maybe 10,000 searches a month, according to merchant words for my first product. And that hit a million dollars in year one. Wow. And it wasn't from China. And I still don't particularly like buying sort of cheap Chinese stuff. As some products I get from China now, but I kind of just try and do things a bit differently to the masses and take the, you know, the lessons and the learnings from these other courses and other people's experience, but do my own take on things a bit more than most. So I've had really good fun, but, um, yeah, pretty much, uh, worked my backside off for the last two years. So we've had kids and there's been family commitments and it's been nice not being in office, but I have put my absolute all into this business. So I'm really pleased that it came off and sold one.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to hear a little bit more about that. So, I mean, it sounds, it sounds great. Like, I mean, pretty much, you know, I guess where I'd like to start is, I mean, and just to let everyone know, like you you built a business and, um, and you hit seven figures. Um, and is that the business that sold?
1: Yeah. So, um, it was about that account was 18 months old and I was just doing my year end tax stuff and it was all looking very neat and tidy. I filed everything, all my, finances are all in the right place and you all the numbers and i've got a friend um who's in la is a business broker who i can recommend to anyone who's thinking about selling and i just gave him a call he's an australian guy and i just said what do you think an amazon business multiple is at the moment and i'd actually spoken to him maybe six months earlier and i'd asked him if i ever put my business on the market what are the things i should be doing to increase that valuation when the time comes and I wasn't definitely going to sell. I just thought, you know, a lump sum is a real life changer. It means you can, you know, get rid of mortgages, never have to, you know, worry about sure. the risk profile of the next things you do. Yeah. So I spoke to my friend and he said, um, you know, probably a multiple of between two and three, a bit higher if you've got good trademarks or consumables and a few other things that made the multiple a bit higher, um, subscription boxes are the best or any kind of continuity model. Obviously you can get your multiple up to kind of 10 because that future cash flow is so certain. So what I did was started a new business back then, not the one I sold, but one that was a consumable with a subscription box model Um, and then just kept growing the the original Amazon account. And that was tracking really well. And I had a really good quarter four last year and then I had an even better quarter one this year. So Say so March, at the end of this year, when I did my tax returns, um, got a valuation done. And I said, whoa, if we get, got that, I would take it. And so he put it on the market. We got an offer the next day. Wow! might have even been the same day, his time zone. And that was the offer we ended up accepting. Wow! So it took a few months to close, but it was pretty easy. So I've got a VA, um, a lovely girl in Canada, who's worked for me from day one pretty much full time. So she had everything sitting there in Dropbox, all the Amazon monthly reports, all the invoices, the trademark documents, all those bits and pieces. But there wasn't, you know, a meter stack of paperwork for someone to go through. It's so transparent that if mm. somebody, you know, wants to buy an Amazon business and you give them access to, you know, on the user permission setting to have a look at the track record and you've got your contracts with suppliers and a few of those are the basics in place. So I didn't have contracts with suppliers until the broker said, that's do, you know, a few weeks' work getting these things in place. So tidied things up a bit, got a great offer. It was initially all cash up front, but that got changed a bit in the negotiations. But it was still a good, good lump sum up front. And from a, you know, our family point of view, it's been awesome. We've just bought a new house in the South Island of New Zealand in this beautiful little ski town. It's a resort town up in the mountains. And we move this Friday. Nice. and. Get to pay off a mortgage and you know seven figures it's not enough to retire for the rest of your life but it certainly changes the game sure. and I think on sure. Amazon it's really tempting to sort of focus at the product level and transactions at that sort of micro level rather than focusing on building an asset that you can sell and those lump sums are great because you get the cash flow as you go but then a lump sum exit is awesome or even a partnership or you know, you just got more options if your business is a bit broader than just Amazon and just focused on products and just focused on products from China with no IP. If you can mm-hmm. be a bit smarter about what you build, you can have a lot more fun later on, I reckon.
0: Yeah. Well, OK, let's let's dig into a little bit about like, you know, you starting that business like from scratch. Like so how, how do you start? Like you said, you had a little bit of a head start. <laughs> what, where, like, where do you get the idea of the business before you even started it? Like what, what made you think of what you were going to do? And then also what was your strategy to, to launch it? Like, did you have to validate on Amazon that there was already uh, sales happening or was it just, you were like, I'm just going to do something brand new.
1: Um, I'm a bit more of a gut feel brand new kind of a girl. So I don't like. I sometimes validate some of my ideas using, you know, the jungle scouts and merchant words type tools, but I would never ever choose a product by starting with a scan for some criteria on a bit of software. Like I kind of look at things in the world around me, things I use, trends I see, um, demographics that I can see as being lucrative sort of areas to mine with good products. Um, I kind of like looking for opportunities where you can bundle a service with a product. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like consumables a lot, especially after that um, statistic around the valuation Mm -hmm. of a consumables subscription type business versus a normal e-commerce business. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I just like the margins, obviously, on a service business that's um, got a lot of appeal. The cash flow is a bit back to front with Amazon. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice regular cash flow coming in, but I bootstrapped everything. I've been offered lots of investment and all sorts. And I've always just quite liked having my own little you know, my own business. I don't need to consult anyone. I can grow it as fast or slowly as I want. Nobody's breathing down my neck. And that's sort of a personal choice. Um, but I kind of, you know, all about lifestyle really. I don't want to just create another job and be owned by someone else of again. Of course,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So uh, I kind of
1: like that scalability is big. Like I don't want hobby projects. I want something that's got legs that can go big.
0: Right, right now. OK, so but still like, OK, so you're starting and you, you kind of have this gut feeling and stuff. You're still starting at zero like like we all did pretty much. Right. I mean, you're you're, yeah. you're starting with. So so what do you do or what did you do? And, and I know things are different now a little bit depending on what strategy or what what plan you are to launch a product. But what was your like, OK, let's get this product to market. And then how do you start getting the sales velocity?
1: So back then, it was a bit easier. Um, uh, So I chose a product that wasn't from China. It was actually handmade. It was pretty quirky. It was um, certainly not a mainstream product. But I just had a hunch that across all of Amazon customers, there'd be enough people there that if I positioned it well and had really good images and really good copy, just doing the basics well, Mm -hmm. I would probably do okay with it. And that turned out to be true. So I think the main thing is bit boring, but just doing the basics well. Mm -hmm. And on Amazon, it's a bit forgiving. You can have kind of a lucky run if you've just sort of timed a product well, um, which is sort of good and bad. It can kind of give you a false sense of your own ability because you can get away with not being a great copywriter or not having great images if there's enough searches and little enough competition
0: Uh, for that
1: product. Now there's far less of those easy pickings, anything that's decent volume's been well picked over. There's tools, reverse engineering, everything that you do that's successful. So I think you need to really focus on those enduring skills that whether you're selling on Amazon or creating copy for a Facebook ad or writing a listing that's on Shopify, not Amazon, or, um, you're running a community or whatever it is. I think some of the really core skills that, I've tried to develop and seem to really transfer well, are things like copywriting and really understanding customer psychology. So there's a few books, things like Robert Cialdini's book called Influence, Mm -hmm. just helps really understand how to get customers to act. You know, you need to really get inside their heads. And you can you can kind of run an Amazon business kind of like an analytical thing without sort of any human behavior and get away with it to some extent. Or you could now you've really got to be much more in tune with the exact customer that you've got in mind. Be much more focused, and it's definitely time to get onto some other platforms and channels. And so it's time to kind of broaden your education and skill set, because on Amazon you didn't need to have all those other bits of the business. You could um, be insulated from having to learn everything about how to run a business and have luck with a product and have success with the product.
0: Yeah. But the next
1: level up, you need to really um, be able to write well research well have more kind of critical thinking skills
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, and be creative as well so if you're trying to launch something and need that initial sales velocity I mean there's going out to influencers and bloggers now they're a pretty precious kind of bunch they want to be dealt with in a particular way and it's you know a bit of an art juggling them and schmoozing them and getting the right ones interested in your product so being able to pitch is a really good skill as well so uh, while I launch products on Amazon, um, they certainly don't fly off the shelves like they used to. And so you really have to turn to some other channels. It might be a partnership with a physical retailer, or it could be a blogger or an influencer that you work with. Even if you pay them, mm. it's a great return on investment. If you can get in front of a really targeted audience, that's going to love your product and you can give them promotional you know, discounts and other things to get some velocity, but that's been working well, um, going off Amazon. I think it's time to do that for every product now.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think if you can, um, if you can align yourself with an influencer, um, and put a face to the brand, I think that's definitely going to be a leg up on, on your competition. Um, but let me ask you this though, and we, we may not agree on this and that's okay, but Um, Do you think that there's still um, uh, for people out there like doing like more like an an open brand where they may want to test products to see what will what will get a, a response or what's least amount of resistance to get products? To market to see before you invest all of this in branding and in and all of the the things that you think that are going to work because a lot of what I'm hearing you're saying like you have a a good intuition and that's good not everyone has that so you have to kind of go off of the data you have to go off of the numbers and Mm -hmm. and um for me it it sounds like you you have a pretty good uh you know like, like I said you you have a good gut feeling and you're you you're pretty smart about that not everyone is going to be able to do that and. Um I, I'm I'm just wondering like what would you say to someone that says yeah, I don't have all those skill sets?
1: So I still think Amazon's a really, really good place to do that initial testing because you get really quick feedback. You don't need to invest too much to have a few hundred units in. Sure. Um you could even do some split testing. Um so some of the products I'll have the same product but packaged up or promoted in a few different ways and mm-hmm. keep the winner and drop the rest. Sure. Um, so I do look at the data a lot once it starts coming in, but I don't sort of freeze waiting for data to tell me how to start. Mm. But once I'm running a business, it's very data driven. Um, so when you're getting started, I still think Amazon is probably the single easiest and best place to get going with the products business, private Mm. labels. Um, but I certainly wouldn't choose something that's high volume out of China I mean it's not hard for those Chinese sellers to do it themselves you know past a point
0: yeah I agree yeah yeah and
1: that's creeping in so you need some sort of innovation and you need some kind of congruent consistent branding it doesn't need to be world class on day one it just needs to be the best you can do and Mm. have been well thought through and be in the kind of the language of the person you're selling to you've got such an advantage if you know the demographic and that kind of avatar of who your customer is and don't write in some sort of corporate
0: fancy mm-hmm. oh yeah
1: overly pushy way just mm. write as if you're speaking to them and just try and make that human connection and people want to buy from people so they you know factor in the features of the product but really it's that emotional connection they have with you as a seller and how the product's going to make them feel when they use it and you can do that in the limited space that you have on amazon and if it works on amazon it'll definitely work elsewhere as well so still the best place to get started, I think.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So if you're, if you're going to try to go in and, and kind of, uh, understand the market, how, how do you, I mean, I know how I would do it, but how would you do that beforehand before you launch? Or would you just launch and wait for what people say about your product? Or would you look at other brands that are currently selling similar products? Like how would you go about doing that? So you can then speak that language when you don't even know anything about that market.
1: Yeah. So I do quite a lot of research before launching any product. Um, so I'll go and like all the pages and sign up to newsletters of all the big brands mm-hmm. and I'll get one of my VAs to do something like go through all like the the taglines and the key messages and all the kind of the the big font stuff on their home pages. You know, what are they saying to connect with this audience? Like what colors have they got in their color schemes and their logos? Cause that's, you know, the psychology of that sort of not to be underestimated mm. and I'll look at how active they are on social media. It's great if you can see that there's a, um, you know, a big demographic and the industry is just like a dinosaur and there's nobody doing any really smart promotional stuff online or their websites are all dreadful. I've got a brand like that now and it's like this horrendously outdated industry, but a lot of people shopping and the winner who gets that branding right and freshens up that, you know, whole sector could do really well. So that's the one I'm focused on at the moment. Um, but something that's kind of ripe for disruption, you need to study what's already being done. And so I look at the data on what's selling on Amazon, but also look at their own websites. I'll order the competitors' products and sort of see what the buyer experience is like. I'll do a little screen flow of what the checkout's like on their website, what sort of steps they have, what upsells, what downsells, what follow-up sequences. So I do stalk the competition pretty fiercely. Yeah, yeah. But then again, ordering container loads of these products like it's a big investment I can't get it wrong
0: Mm. Um,
1: so like I'll have the kind of creative level I'll have the idea but then I really dive into exactly how am I going to position this and how am I going to compete because I'll not have the deepest pockets Mm. but I can be the most nimble and you know with my little team we can change our website in a day we don't need to go off to some corporate gm to get something signed off by a board right, we just right. change the price just by clicking a button right or um you know decide that we'll bundle three of those together and do a bigger pack size or whatever like it's easy to make changes when you're little and that's the big advantage that we have and so yeah i'm not daunted by taking on big boys in big industries um but yeah you do need to watch what they're doing and see what's working for them. You can even do things like look at what's the big conference that that industry has each year, who's sponsoring that, who are the big companies there and what's their promise to customers and you know, what are they doing? Like even their charities they support, I mean the millennials really like to buy from ethical companies. If you can be the only one that's putting something good back into the system uh, that'll get you a really good reward. And it's something really simple to do something kind of feel good. doesn't need to be a huge percentage of your bottom line, but it'll really grow your reputation as a brand.
0: So, it, so it, it sounds like though, that you, you do like a, a brand. Um, and I'm, I'm good with that. I, I'm, i believe that that's a, that's a great way to go too, because then people start to buy into the brand. Do you think that having a face to the brand is, is important or what if you don't have someone's that's the face of the brand?
1: Um, none of my products have got a face of the brand. Um, so they've all got their own. So I've got the, I've probably got four Amazon accounts. Two of them are set up as sort of strong independent brands with a plan that, you know, in 18 months or two years, I'll sell those to some bigger player in the industry or mm-hmm. to a private equity group or something. So they need to live on without me. I'd, I'm not sort of, there's something about paying celebrities, lots of money. I'm just a bit against it. <laughs> it's not my style, <laughs> right. And I just find them, you know, it's, it's almost like the power balance in that products into the hands of bloggers and influencers is a bit wonky at the moment. Like the power is sort of all with them
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the return on investment's very uncertain. I mean, it does work for a lot of brands, but when you're little and you don't want to spend a lot of money, you can have a lot of trial and error that doesn't really pay off. So I kind of make the branding more about the story that you tell about the product, how you create it, how you sell it, your commitment to the customer the whole process of how they interact with the website and the packaging, everything like that has to be consistent and high quality, but it doesn't need to be me doing a, you know, thing in the media every week about it or anything like that. Um, Now,
0: do you, do you though, like when you speak in an email, how would you speak if you were not a face? Are you going to be like, um, not, not yourself, not Sophie maybe, but maybe you're going to be someone that's going to represent the brand. So that way there, it feels like they're speaking with an individual. Like how do you, how do you uh, attack that, I guess?
1: Well, um, I would probably be a typical customer for some of my brands. So I write as if I'm emailing a friend. Like I just totally level. It's not preachy. It's not trying to be too and you mm-hmm. know, not trying to educate them. It's not educational sort of style of language. It's, um, hope like. you know, it's just really relaxed as, you know, first person as if I was talking to a friend. Okay. Yep. And I just sent them a present in the mail and I was just sending a follow up email that I hope they like it. And if they're you know, not happy or anything, they can get a refund, whatever it is, I'm just sort of myself and I don't overthink it too much. Okay. Um,
0: but as far as like the messaging it, of the brand, like you said, you, you have a message of the brand. So you just kind of like have like a little mission statement or a little backstory as to why we decided to create this as the brand as a whole. Is that, yeah. Okay. yeah, so there'll okay. be
1: a little tagline that's about a benefit that the customer gets. And uh-huh. then in the about us, it'll be about why I chose to get this organic product range rather than, you know, a cheaper but less healthy or less environmentally friendly option. And the kind of commitment we have with the suppliers and the kind of the way that we work with the supply chain is really important. Um, and that we're. Basically, one thing that I make as a point that's quite consistent that seems to work well is just that there's no middleman so that the final customer is buying straight from the source of the product pretty much. And then they get that perception of better value because they're not paying for something in the middle. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: they also like to support small businesses or women business owners or whatever it might be. Yeah. And that's a good story to tell that you're a small business and there's no middleman so when you're disrupting a big industry that's one of the real advantages you've got everybody else is paying for all this hideous retail space and sales teams and big corporate head offices and you know we don't have any of that overhead so the customers get a better quality product
0: Yeah, I I like that. I mean, even when I mean, I've I've told people how how I I write emails and I always whether it's for the podcast or whether it's for any brand that I'm working with, it's always going to be in that personal, like, like one-on-one and kind of like, I always like to, to put it in there. Like, you know, we're, a, we're a small business. Like I always like to put that in there to let people know that we are a small business. And because of that, we're able to, you know, be a little bit more personal with you, but also to help you and listen to your needs and wants. And, uh, people have written me back saying how much they love that, that they actually get yeah. an email from someone within the company that seems like they are, they are the company, um, versus it being like you said, like the CEO or something. I yeah, think that's
1: huge. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a real advantage we have as small business owners we should use it. Mm. And yeah, just that ability to be nimble use that, just do a split test for a day. Who cares? You know, Yeah, change everything on Amazon, change it back. And there's some great software to do that split testing, but even on your websites and, you know, just trial different packaging, all sorts. Um, Tim yeah. Ferriss used to recommend doing that sort of just run some adverts and see what gets the most clicks. Even if you haven't got anything there, you know, give them a refund and say, sorry, But actually, take their money. Pretend you're going to sell them something to validate it. Do some testing, and
0: yeah, yeah. I actually I read that. Yeah, that was actually that was funny. He did that with a I think it was a AdWords ad and uh and he drove traffic to an ad like he was going to sell this i don't know shirt or something I forget yeah, what it was shit. yeah was it was it a shirt yeah it was yeah. and uh and he was yeah a sailor shirt that's right and and he actually uh you know was able to test and validate the ad the ad copy the picture whatever um which is yeah. really kind of cool so um you know it's It's a way to test it. And I think with Amazon, it makes it even a little bit easier because you can actually put up a product, whether you have one or or you know, a thousand, you can still put it up there and see what happens. Um I think the data within pay-per-click helps us to understand what people are searching for. So there's so much that's there for us to take advantage of. Um okay, let's let's dig in a little bit deeper. Cause I know people that are that are listening are probably um wondering, okay, this all sounds great and everything. It sounds a little complex, but Um, I understand, you know, like we need to be doing all these different things. There's a lot of of psychology that goes in with this, Um, but I'm just starting. So like, like Sophie, so like, like I'm going to do pretty much what everyone else is kind of doing as far as, well, not maybe looking at the tools, but I always tell people like, just be aware, like be aware of the certain, you know, people that you're surrounding yourself with and and their problems, their passions and, and, and the stuff that you're using on a daily basis or the things that you might be struggling with or your parents or whatever. Right. And getting these ideas. But then let's say we get the idea are you going through and validating at all that there's numbers there? Or are you just, again, randomly saying, like, I think that this thing's going to work because there's a need for it?
1: Um, Probably somewhere in between the two. So I do some validation, but if I have a strong hunch that those numbers look a bit wrong, like I don't always trust the tools either.
0: Of course, of course. Um,
1: You know, some of the numbers look a bit wonky to me at times. Um, So if I see on, say, Google Trends, I trust that, um, that there's sort of a general thing heading in the right direction. Um, there's, you know, some big demographic data that's not going to be wrong about aging populations or obesity or, you know, even like the movement towards entrepreneurship. That's a really big trend at the moment. Mm. Um, Mm. so I'll look at those sorts of trends and then I'll analyze what offerings are out there in the market. And then I might validate some of that research with a bit of, um, use of those tools. But then I'll just get started and try and keep my costs really low. So one of the things when you're new is you don't want it to be really stressful and scary. And there's some risks for sure. sure. But you can also just have a rule with yourself that you're not going to get in over your head. Like I you know, do this coaching and people often get in touch and they're just in such a mess. Like They've just overinvested. They've got some me too product that they haven't got a hope of selling anywhere. Um, And it's just really sad. You know, they've just spent a lot of hard earned money on a completely silly product and there's no reason you should ever have a silly product. Like you might have to make a decision with imperfect information and there's some risk in choosing each product, but you don't want to be kind of getting into debt or in over your head beyond what you can afford to do.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Um, So getting started is definitely the hardest step. I think on Amazon, You can, you know, there's plenty of good Amazon courses that teach people how to do the private label selling. And that's a great model for getting started in e-commerce. I think there's a bit of a gap in getting a good kind of well-rounded education as an e-commerce online business owner, where on Amazon you don't need to sort of really um, do a lot of that sort of traffic or conversion stuff particularly well. You can get away with just having an average listing and Mm. A goodish product and do well. Whereas once you get on off Amazon, you start needing a few more skills and a bit more discipline, and it won't suit everyone. So one thing on Amazon, everybody kind of can run an Amazon business. You know, there's various steps. It's quite linear. There's kind of one way to do it. You know, there's no. A lot of the parameters are kind of fixed for you. Um, but if you're looking to move off Amazon, I think it's a really important thing to look at your own strengths and the kind of lifestyle goals you have and your ambitions and kind of build the business that's beyond Amazon in a way that kind of suits you. So you don't want to create another job for yourself and you don't want to be spending all day doing data-driven stuff if you're a creative and you don't want to be running a huge, big empire if you just wanted a a nice lifestyle. So there's sort of a, a sweet spot for everyone. And that's what I'm going to be trying to help people do sort of find a growth model that suits them, their strengths, their skills, the type of business they've already got, and then what other platforms and channels out there are working well. But get, that getting started is just the hardest bit, and that's where people freeze. And I think this time of year is quite good. You can do some good sort of soul searching and planning for the year ahead. Um, there's no shortage of free content. It's just finding a kind of a way through all that content without losing all your time or getting overwhelmed. Um, But just being deliberate about what you want to build and then plugging in the bits of information that you need in order to um, start and launch that business. Damason's um, yeah. still the best place for it, I think, to get going on day one.
0: Yeah, I think, the, I think the hardest part, like you said, it is just getting started. And we talk a lot about that on the podcast. And I've, again, you know, myself, even coaching people, it's, 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 uh, it's just getting started, getting that momentum. And, you know, I always look at it like, you know, you, you are going to make mistakes and you are going to learn from those mistakes. But until you can actually get moving, um, you're not going to be able to, to actually make those mistakes and not learn those lessons. Um, yeah. I mean, there's things that we're going to do moving forward that we're going to just question like what we just did. Um, But I mean, myself personally, I've I've experienced like through all my experiences through when I was 20 years old till now, um, you know, just everything I've done, I've, I've learned from, and it's kind of helped me into that next thing. Um, you know, and it's e-commerce is, is, you know, it can be a tricky beast or you can kind of, like you said, narrow it down and go on a channel. And I think Amazon is a great channel to start. Um, but, uh, but you know, there, there's risk in anything that we do, but like you're saying, minimize the risk, go out there, test, uh, you know, test it first and then get some of the, the, the data and then From there you can decide if it's something that you think that will continue to to grow i think google trends is a great one too free tool um you get to see a trend and see how it's how it's trending up or down or whether it has trends throughout the year that go up and down like um those things i think just being familiar with the market i think is is huge um one last thing though before we before we wrap up here um what what do you do right now like if you're launching a product or you're coaching someone to launch a product what's your strategy to get product uh, basically started, like to get sales rolling? Like before, you know, we would do a, a promotion. I was never a big fan of doing like those hundreds and hundreds of units of promotions to try to get yourself boosted. So really this new review change really didn't affect me or my teachings because I never really was a huge fan of that. But um, it, it was a part of it, right? I mean, we were trying to, you know, maybe give away a hundred units over the course of five days and maybe, you know, you can boost your sales that way. Um, but what is the, is there any thing that you do or that you recommend people do when they're getting a product to market?
1: Um, on Amazon, you're just pretty limited now. And like you, I didn't ever go for those big review groups. I did it once for one product and I lost a bunch of those reviews, um, as soon as that change hit, it was the only, I'd probably launched 400 products and it was just one that I went really aggressively because I, it was a product that had like three and a half million searches a month. Wow. And I went out to this review group just to get some traction and never used them before. And the girl said, oh, you're direct competitor. They're doing two and a half thousand units a week and they're on week six of oh that.
0: Oh gosh. <laughs> I was like, all oh, oh, right. Wow.
1: Interesting time ahead. But I got yeah. to page one and then... Um, you know, the reviews went, it was a disaster. Amazon changed the title. It was like my worst experience. And it was probably the product that had such good potential. And I just wish I hadn't done it that way. Mm. Anyway, lesson learned. So, yeah, the review thing, never liked it. Glad they're tightening up on it. And they've been pretty aggressive in the tightening up, mm. which is good. So that's leveled the playing field. But it kind of also means I don't think anybody's got that I've seen anything super smart for an Amazon product launch at the moment. You know, you go out to bloggers that's time consuming but can get you leverage. But those bloggers are going to be getting inundated by Amazon sellers. You know, if you're a a baby products blogger open to doing Amazon reviews, you're just going to be getting hammered. And then that message and credibility of their reviews kind of goes down. Their audience gets a bit sick of all these offers. Mm. I don't know. So I do that, but really I'm looking to diversify off Amazon. So Amazon will be there and if the listings good and the keywords are right, And the customers like the product and this good email follow up to encourage reviews. Um, with the wording being just right, of course, not asking, but
0: you
1: know know how to leave a review. Um, then I think that's all you can really do on Amazon go pretty aggressive with the pay-per-click cross promote other products you're already selling. Um, if you've been building an email list, then obviously that's the time to, you know, get your money's worth out of that effort you've put in and all the time building the email list. Um, but really you can do Facebook ads, um, drive that traffic across, um, coupon codes through Facebook ads I found works well, Mm. but yeah, you need to kind of be getting off Amazon for any serious aggressive launches now.
0: Yeah, I, no, I I agree. I, I think uh, I, I mean honestly, I think if you're if you're going after the products that have thousands of reviews, I think it's going to be a really tough road. Um, and that's why I mean I've even said that before. Even all this review stuff is just you know find those markets or those products that you know you're not going after, like you said, those uh, <laughs> those markets that have a ton of volume, but. Uh, they're also aggressively doing like, you know, black hat stuff, um, which mm. is going to make it a lot harder. Um, I'm a big fan, uh, especially now. I was always before is building your own email list. I think that's going to be yeah. that that's going to be, I think, the big thing for for people in the future. And your competition won't know what happened when you're able yeah. to kind of boost your sales uh, volume at will. Um, really. And then you can also direct those people off of Amazon if you want to. So I think that's key. And I'm glad that you, uh, we didn't actually talk about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that's your, your vision as well, because I I think it is, I think it's, uh, finding the right products, the right market, but I think then controlling the traffic is going to be key. Um, I think that's a huge, especially with those
1: fees creeping up on Amazon, like this last quarter, um, certainly everybody I work with in the coaching and my experiences this quarter four so far has been nothing like last year's quarter four. I think I had 88 lightning deals in November last year. Like I had a ridiculously good month, mm. but this year, you know, I've been invited to, you know, do various you know, promotions and things, but they're not in the same league. And you know, a lightning deal last year was this big, exclusive, very special event that you didn't pay for, you were invited. Yes. And- yeah, it's a bit different and it kind of benefits Amazon, but frankly, most of my products, I wouldn't put them in. Mm. Um, so yeah, things are changing and you don't want to be kind of in that hold-up situation where Amazon makes a change to some fee and you've just got to suck it up and, you know, take it off the bottom line. Um, you want your business to be profitable and those numbers about kind of warehousing costs and other fulfillment channels and getting traffic, I mean, those pay-per-click costs are going through the roof now that the reviewer thing's gone. So it might be that sort of tipping point for a lot of people who are at the margins to look at different business models for their business and a good time to sort of reflect on the year that's been, what they want to achieve in 2017, and maybe it's time to upskill and diversify now, Mm -hmm. which I know you've been saying a lot on your podcast and a lot of other people are saying too, but just uh, making that commitment and getting into that diversification mode.
0: Yeah. I, you know, and a lot of people that have, uh, you know, whether it's on my Facebook group or other people's, it's kind of like now that they hear that things are changing, that then it just means that this model doesn't work anymore. And it's, that's the furthest from the truth. It's we're selling products to a market, right? So it doesn't matter. It's just a channel. And yes, that's a channel that's been really good and it still is good. But like you said, um, you know, it just means you're gonna have to move your product, uh, to different channels. And one of those channels could be your own. I mean, you have your own sales funnel and lead them through your own website. I mean, that's, to me, that's the ultimate. If you can make that profitable, then you just turn up the faucet and, and add, add more dollars to the, uh, to the ad spend. And you, and you, you know, you can just bring in more sales. So, um, yeah, yeah no, I, I think, I think, I think you're spot on. And I just want to, again, say thank you for coming on and sharing, um, your, your experience, your story. I think it's, it's awesome. I think you're, uh, uh, you know, very, very inspirational, uh, to be able to, to share your, your story as far as, you know, going from, you know, someone that, uh, you know, just wanted to have a lifestyle is really what it was about for you. It's for, it's what it's about for me too. I mean, I think figuring out your, why you found that you wanted to spend more time with your family and your kids. And, um, that's, that's really, I think that's what a lot of us want. So I just want to say thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to add for anyone that's just starting and maybe just let people know, um, where they can get in touch with you?
1: Sure. Um, so when you're starting, I think just get started. I think that kind of perfect is the enemy of done is a good line to remember in this game. I mean, if you haven't got any data, you can't make better decisions in the future. And you can overanalyze these things to death and just freeze. And so go with your instincts. Be sure to validate and do your um, research. But don't look for you know a product that's never been sold before or something that's too obscure. Um, but you do want to have that avatar, you know, the customer in mind, that you can build a brand for. So whether it's some personal interest type product, or just some daily need, just trying to find something where you can find those customers, not just on Amazon. So you can find a Facebook group and market to them. And you can join those Facebook groups and see what they're talking about and what they're into and Hmm. who else is marketing to them and doing well with their marketing to them. So that's, um, excuse me, where I'd start just validating at the, the customer end rather than looking at statistics about the products themselves. Um, and then to get in touch. Um, so I do both one-on-one coaching and have a members group where we do kind of a weekly webinar and keep up to date with what's happening in e-commerce, what I'm doing, what I'm testing, what I'm learning, sharing all of that. And that's all through aspiringentrepreneurs.org. Um, so I run that from New Zealand and do, um, everything over Skype, but travel a lot. I think I went to 20 countries last year and have lots of tripping around the place. And so (laughs) just a couple of weeks ago, met one of my coaching clients in China, which was good fun. Um, but yeah, just have fun with it and don't um, get in over your head. Don't be that person that's, you know, massively in debt for a, you know, untested startup business. You can take some risks, but they don't need to be things that, you know, make it too stressful or, too much pressure. Just make it fun. And if it works, scale. And if not, go back to the drawing board and enjoy the learning. Just sort of have fun with the learning. Because e-commerce is changing so fast. If you don't enjoy learning, you won't enjoy e-commerce. And you need to just be able to sift through and distill all that information out there and make your own decisions and have confidence in your own ability that you can, you know, build a profitable business out of this. So you need to have profit and not just be busy. So... Look for a, a little niche where you can tell a good story, enjoy building the business, and then have something to take home at the end of the day as well.
0: No, I love it. I love it. I want to thank you so much, Sophie, for uh, coming on and uh, and sharing some of your wisdom, some of your experience. And uh, I'm sure uh, our listeners are going to really enjoy this. And I uh, just want to, again, say thank you. And I wish you all the best. And definitely keep me posted on, uh, on your progress. And uh, we can definitely stay in touch. I appreciate it. Brilliant. Thanks, Scott. Okay. So there you have it. Another great interview. I love listening to these stories. Like I said in the beginning, because I learned so much just from listening to people's stories and even just the mindset alone as to how people get through certain obstacles certain situations, what makes someone successful, what makes someone else give up. I just love listening to these stories and hopefully you took away something from this interview or any other interviews for that matter so this way here it can help you move forward in your journey, that's really what I want for you uh, you know, throughout these these different interviews. So I just wanna thank Sophie again for coming on if you want to uh, check her out, check out what she's up to, you can head over to AspiringEntrepreneurs.org and uh, I'll leave a link to the show notes as well or on the show notes for that matter and the transcripts and all of the the, the different bullet points will be there as far as what we discussed and that can be found at TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash 303 and again, just one other reminder, we are doing a workshop uh, coming up very, very soon, actually January 12th, but if you're listening to this after the 12th, we'll still be doing future uh, workshops, so if you wanted to attend one of those, head over to TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash workshop. Again, if you're starting out just trying to figure out this Amazon space or even just this e-commerce space, these workshops are there for you to be able to give you the full picture and also actionable actionable things to do to actually move you forward. So definitely go check out one of our workshops, theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop, totally free, and we'll be there live to hang out with you, answer any questions that you have. Uh, Again, five phases is the one coming up, and then we'll be doing a product research one uh, in the future. So definitely go check that out. And again, the show notes, theamazingseller.com forward slash 303. All right, guys, that's it. That's going to wrap up this episode. Once again, remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you, and I am rooting for you, but you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Come on, you know what I'm going to do here. Let's do it together. Let's go. Take action have an awesome amazing day guys and i'll see you right back here on the next episode